0: When I was a park ranger, my troop would always go to a camp called Camp to Keats for our yearly summer camp. That specific year, they had had abnormal bear activity in and around the camp. It was a pretty sizable camp, but was still way out in the boonies, so an encounter with a chipmunk was just as common as it would be with a California black bear. Wildlife management was done by some crazy old gunnery sergeant that we called Gunny, so you can see the situations you might find yourself in. So anyway, I was tenting with my friend who had just joined the troop. let's call him James. So James and I are sleeping in our tent in the middle of the night, probably around one or two in the morning, when I was abruptly awoken by something. Everything is dead silent, aside from a plasticky creaking sound. Then I see it right above my head. Something was pushing the tent in so hard that it began to cave in right above my head, like if someone was leaning into it with all of their weight. Except, these tents were relatively strong, you, I mean, I could as a preteen, could jump on them and you would just bounce right off. So, being the scared little 13 year old that I was, I began to smack whatever it was with all of my might whilst simultaneously clubbing James with my fist to get him to wake up. Mind you, James is an incredibly deep sleeper, so this in effect is nothing. Whoever or whatever it is is leaning so hard that it is almost touching my head when James wakes up from the nightmare that he was having and let out a blood-curdling ten-year-old girl being murdered in the woods type scream. Whatever it was stopped leaning on the tent and vanished silently into the night. So, for a few years, James, who has no recollection of the event whatsoever, and I always assumed it was a bear after the meds in my day pack. But, after staffing at the camp and getting to know the lore of the grounds a little better, I think something else might have been afoot. There have been many strange happenings in and around Camp Tequites, both paranormal and just normally unexplained. There's the usual Bigfoot and ghost stories, but older scouts and even administrative higher-ups claim to have seen things. Claims of Wendigo-skinwalker hybrids, things that look like both, not actual hybrids, some dead guy called drag thump, and a bunch of Native American myths. Tekeats has the biggest and most active Native American program west of Oklahoma. The fact that there were no tears in the tent flap from the bear claws, we were the furthest away from the bear box, the fact that there was absolutely no sound from the supposed bear, black bears make a heck of a ruckus, and the fact that it was just persistently leaning into the tent instead of just clawing at it like most bears leads me to believe that it was no yogi or smoky. It just didn't behave like bears do, and even if it was some older scouts attempting to play a joke on us, they wouldn't have been heavy enough to lean that far in on the tent and probably would have erupted into laughter right afterward. Plus, my troop isn't like that. It's full of a bunch of mild-mannered city boys, perfect Eagle Scout material, of which I am one. Everything just seems so off. I don't claim to know what it was, hence the unexplained part. Let me guys know if something similar happened to you. Each and every year thousands of people vanish or are killed under mysterious circumstances. Most cases are average and solvable, or at least, there's a reasonably logical explanation for what happened. For example, people go hiking and get lost, people are killed in disputes over illegal activities. People purposefully hurt themselves in remote places and so on. However, just occasionally authorities stumble across the unexplainable. Where any reasonable answer is defied by the evidence and there are more questions than answers. In these cases, we are forced to call an outside help for the investigation. This is something few of us will ever speak about because the people we are required to call aren't exactly who you would want to hear about investigating a potential crime scene. In fact, they will almost never show up in any trial notes. We do our best to play off any information they give us or to find the information ourselves some other way. At the time this happened I was a new park ranger assigned to a middle-of-nowhere tourist town in Maine. Virtually nothing ever happened there, the crime rate was so low that our station was essentially nothing more than a glorified log cabin. In the past there were some pretty horrific massacres and a couple intrigue cases that remain unsolved. The only time it gets even mildly busy now is during the late spring to early fall, hiking season when tourists show up in droves. It's like the zombie apocalypse, only there are sweaty guys trying to impress their partners with the stamina they clearly don't have and middle-aged women angry at nature itself, instead of zombies. Personally, I think I would prefer it if zombies wanted to hike the section of Appalachian Trail that passes our town. Sheriff Barrett was my chief back when I was a rookie. He was a grumpy old man with a gray mustache thinning hair and a no-nonsense attitude. There weren't more than a handful of us officers, I was the youngest and most inexperienced so no one really paid me any mind. Diane was the only woman in our station, she was a friendly plump lady, she was also an officer, though she mostly handled the receptionist work rather than field patrols. Anyway I digress, what I'm going to share with you is the first major case I ever caught and the reason my job sucks. This happened in late spring of 98. It was a perfect year, up until then we had had no noteworthy incidents. Because I was new my assignment was to patrol up and down a section of the trail leading up the mountain. I was basically doing the work of a park ranger, ensuring the trail was clear of debris, checking on campers and assisting with any injuries hikers sustained. It was a boring assignment, there's only so many sprained ankles one can show enthusiasm for, as you can imagine, but I didn't mind too much. I was outside in the fresh mountain air and the surroundings were pristine. Everything was a lush green, there was a light cool breeze filtering through the forest and the nearby wildlife was vibrant. I putted along slowly on my ATV, I didn't want to scare or squash any wildlife since there were countless lizards and small mammals that would scurry into hiding as I passed. Overhead birds sang and I was stopped often by tourists asking for directions and or photos, apparently local law enforcement is exciting? Or maybe they just liked a man in uniform, who knows. When the call came in over the radio it seemed pretty mundane, Charles, we've had a report of some campers due back that haven't returned. Do you think you could go take a look over diane's cheerful voice informed she told me the approximate coordinates and a description while i made my way to the location the group in question was supposed to be a group of nine four adults five children the youngest member was 14 and the eldest was 51 it was a party of two families as i approached the area the forest around me gradually became still and silent. I didn't even notice at first, but soon the bird song stopped entirely. The only sound was the hum of my ATV and the crunching of twigs under the tires. It was eerie to say the least. I rolled into the clearing that the group was supposed to have camped and shut off the engine. I could-
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: The atmosphere in that place seemed heavier somehow, the sun still shone but it was as if the air itself was now an oppressive force. Looking around I could see evidence that the group had been there, patches of grass were flattened from tents and there were footprints in the dirt. A few odd things of note were that the fireplace was still smoldering slightly, it was against camping policy to leave any active fire unattended, and there were no personal effects left anywhere. You would expect that a group who couldn't be bothered dampening their fire would also be the kind of people to leave behind litter of some kind. You know, clothing, beer bottles, cans, etc. But there was nothing. Not a shred of anything anywhere. It really felt as if these people and everything they had brought with them simply evaporated. The logical part of my brain told me they had probably just moved on and forgotten about the fire. However if that was the case, why hadn't they returned yet? I came from the only direction one can travel to return down the mountain and not past any groups matching the description I was given. As I investigated further I noticed that an area of the brush seemed to be damaged, squashed a bit as if people had moved through it. I wondered then if they had decided to go hiking off the marked trail and called for backup before following the path of broken foliage. I didn't walk long before I noticed something bright blue high up in the trees ahead. I'm Officer Charles, can anyone hear me? I announced. No response. A little jarred by this I proceeded with slightly less confidence. The bad feeling I was getting only intensified. I began to think the worst, what if it was a person hanging dead in the tree? I hadn't actually seen a dead body in person before. When I reached the object in question I realized that it was a tent. Somehow it had become entangled 30-odd feet up in this tree. How? I had no idea. Hello? Is there anyone in the area? This is Officer Charles, please make your presence known. I called again loudly. Still no response. Transfixed I stared at the tent, it moved slightly in the breeze and I felt a chill run down my spine. It really was a very odd place for a tent to be. No way the wind could have blown it up there, someone must have placed it up there. But why? There was nothing around? Or so I thought, I began to feel watched and had the sudden urge to look around me. There was nothing. However the crackle of my radio coming to life on my shoulder at that second scared me half to death. Hello Charles, it's Diane, I'm sorry no one is available for backup. Can you please advise on your location? Over. She asked. Hi, yeah, I'm just a little ways off the campsite. I found a tent in a tree, quite some ways up, I don't know how it got up there. No sign of the group. I don't think I'm going to need backup after all. There's no one here. Over. I responded after taking a moment to regain my composure. That's a little odd, keep us updated stay safe over she instructed yes ma'am over i grinned to myself somehow just hearing someone else's voice was comforting i continued down the path passing by the tree with the tent and walking until i came across a river the edges of the river were muddy with obvious signs of multiple people crossing it i could make out distinctive shoe imprints and something else i really didn't know what it could be It honestly looked to me like a dinosaur footprint. I took out my camera to take a few pictures for evidence. I used a dollar bill for scale. The print was huge, well bigger than the dollar. I scanned along the length of the river to see if I could tell where they might have exited on the other side. There didn't seem to be any worn down areas visible from where I stood so I walked downstream a ways. I assumed that if they traveled in the river for whatever reason. That it would be easier to move with the current rather than against it. Along the way I saw more of the strange footprints. Some seemed to have three toes, others four. Two different animals? Then I began to find items. First I found a shoe, then cooking pots, clothing and a partially torn sleeping bag. The further I went the more common the items became. I called out at frequent intervals, making sure to give pause to listen for any response no one ever answered i felt that this was more than campers getting excited and exploring this was people running for their lives from something i followed the river more urgently until it started to get dark i knew i needed to turn back or i might end up getting lost myself reluctantly i made the decision to head back to the clearing I intended to return to the office and explain in greater detail what I had seen so a rescue effort could be coordinated. I passed the tent tree and left a note there just in case the campers came back then I called Diane on the radio. Diane, I'm almost back at the ATV now. Over. I reported. Officer Charles. Where have you been? I have been trying to reach you, why didn't you answer? Over. She sounded angry and I felt my palms start to sweat. I was still probationary. Was I going to be fired? I followed the river. I found supplies and some strange footprints. I took photos over. I tried to explain myself rapidly. I hadn't heard my radio go off at any point while I was searching. I assumed maybe it has been out of range while I was exploring. Good to know that if I had fallen into the river or something I would have been totally on my own. What kind of animal prints did you find? Over. She asked calmer this time, but the mildly annoyed tone remained. I'm not sure, they were big though. Maybe some kind of bear or something. Over. I tried. I knew without doubt that this wasn't what they were but I didn't want to seem like I had wasted time or didn't know what I was doing. Just come back now. The sheriff wants you back before it's dark, hurry. Over, she stated tensely. The directions were sharp and left no room for interpretation. I think this kind of freaked me out more because I could tell there was something she was withholding. When I got back to the original clearing I saw immediately that my ATV was knocked over. The sight of seeing it laying there in the dirt made me want to run. The ATV was a four-wheeler and nearly 700 pounds no way someone just accidentally pushed it onto its side. I jogged over to correct the ATV's spatial positioning. I didn't want to seem scared or run, but walking felt too slow. I started up the ATV and that's when I heard it. From only a few hundred meters away an inhuman scream erupted from the forest behind me. It was deafening. It had only been a single, short sound but it reverberated low and long through the trees. All the hair on the back of my neck stood on end. I had never heard anything remotely comparable. Without a doubt, no known animal made that sound. And you can bet your bottom dollar that I am my way back to main office tout suite. When I arrived, Sheriff Barrett was waiting for me, standing with his arms folded, watching the horizon. I felt like a teenager caught sneaking home. You made it back. He stated gruffly and for the briefest moment I thought he looked relieved to see me. Someone knocked over the ATV, and I heard something in the forest. I tried to speak calmly, while at the same time trying not to shake like a leaf. All the adrenaline in me that had kept me going was starting to wear off and my knees felt weak. I think he could probably tell from the look in my eyes how terrified I had been. What did you see out there? He asked me more quietly. I, I don't know Sheriff. The reported camping site was empty, though it's likely that the group had stayed there. When I investigated further I found an unofficial trail that led deeper into the woods. I believe the party moved in that direction as I found a tent tangled in some trees that way, I don't know how they got it up so high. But I followed their path along the river, I found some of their personal effects and documented large footprints. I took photos. I spoke as clearly as I could, I was trying to explain and demonstrate my quick thinking. Show me the photos. He answered with a vague nod of acknowledgement to the rest of my story. Hurriedly I pulled out the camera to show him. He took it and silently clicked through the photos with an ever deepening frown on his brow. Should we call the neighboring county to organize a search and rescue? I asked hesitantly. No. It's too late in the day now. No one searches in those woods after dark. If they're alive out there, they will have to survive the night on their own, he said grimly as he turned on his heel to walk back inside. Diane, call Linnaeus. It's back. He called ahead, Charles, you go home. And make sure to lock your doors tonight. You see anything move outside, you call me. Got it? He called back to me without breaking stride. I got the distinct feeling I had definitely done something wrong. Even if the only wrong I had done was simply having been out there at all. There were things they weren't telling me and I wanted answers. I didn't know who Linnaeus was, I had never heard the name before, or how slash why he would be able to help. However, what bothered me the most was not knowing. Now understanding what was out there. What exactly is in those woods? When I came into the office the following morning the atmosphere was tense. Diane sat stiffly at her desk, her usual cheerfulness replaced by a displeased, lips pursed, expression. Though she did give me a sly smile as I set down the box of donuts on the corner of her desk, hope you're ready for this kid. She commented as she eyed off a jam filled pastry. You know me, I'm ready for anything. I assured a little too enthusiastically trying to inject some life back into the room, where's Sheriff Barrett? I queried. In his office, knock first. She told me flatly. I muttered a half-hearted right and headed past the reception area to the Sheriff's office. As I walked I contemplated what new development on yesterday's disappearances could have soured the mood so dramatically, did they find a body? Or was it all just a wild goose chase that put Barrett in a bad mood for wasting his time? The door to his office opened abruptly just before I reached it and Barrett came marching out. Well I hope you're wrong, but I didn't call you where for no reason. He was speaking firmly to someone behind him. It's rare that I would be incorrect. An unfamiliar voice answered in a disturbingly neutral tone. Oh, Charles, you're in early. Good. I want you to meet Eric Linnaeus. The sheriff told me noticing my presence for the first time when he turned away from his office. Behind him another man followed. This man was of average height, reasonably handsome with dark hair and well-dressed. He seemed to be on the younger side, maybe early 20s, so I was surprised to see that despite his young appearance he walked with a limp, His arm was bandaged in a sling close to his body so the right sleeve of his jacket hung empty and he relied on the cane in his left hand to walk. Taken back I didn't realize I was staring until he made eye contact with me, my blood turned to ice. His right eye was sliced. Or at least that was my initial thought. Looking closer I realized that it was more like some abnormal form of heterochromia. To give you some idea, His left eye seemed normal sized and was blue in color. While his other eye was slightly enlarged, the whites of that eye were more purple Y and had a dark slit through the center where the iris should have been. It's not polite to stare. Eric informed me in monotone. His face gave no human emotion to connect with. I couldn't tell if he was embarrassed, angry or hurt, but I felt guilty nonetheless. Sorry, I'm Charles. I apologized and introduced myself. You're the one who discovered the abandoned campsite, he stated rather than asked. I nodded. Take me to the location. We will search anew from there, he continued as he moved toward the door. I hesitated, I wasn't sure whether or not I was supposed to take orders from his man. Do as he asks, you might learn something from him. In fact, consider him to be your team lead from today until this matter is resolved i want nothing to do with it sheriff barrett muttered the last part mostly to himself we took the atv out to the area where the campers had disappeared of course the trail was by now closed since the disappearance and so travel was a lot faster since i didn't have to worry about running over any tourists the clouds from the day before had stayed Though it wasn't raining they cast a gloomy haze over the forest and the air was muggy. It was the prefect weather for bugs but the entire area was eerily silent. No birds or bugs made any sort of sound. It was like entering a dead zone where only the whir of the ATV engine broke the silence. So, Sheriff Barrett called you in? Have you had special experience with this kind of case? I asked to make light conversation. Eric was quiet a moment before answering carefully, you could say that. I'm surprised then, you seem so young. I commented with a laugh. I'm older than I look. He answered plainly. Right, well, are you sure you'll be okay out here? I mean the terrain is kind of rough. Truthfully I had my doubts about how he would be able to follow the camper's supposed direction when it lead off trail and he was obviously so injured. I'll be fine. How did you get hurt anyway, if you don't mind my asking? You talk too much when you're nervous. Like a chattering monkey. He cut me off bluntly and my mouth snapped shut. It's true that I did tend to talk more to release nervous energy, but a simple, I don't want to talk about it, what if sufficed? That was probably the moment I decided I didn't like him. His strange monotone and lack of human emotion bothered me especially in the unsettling ambience of the forest. It was almost like he took on the personality of the forest. Or like it took on his. When we arrived at the abandoned site everything was how I had left it the day prior. Silent, empty and oddly terrifying. Eric struggled off the ATV and began to hobble around the space while I radioed back to let the sheriff know we'd reached our destination. You be careful out there now. He warned in a hard tone, you stay near Linnaeus in case anything happens, you understand me? Over. Copy that. Over. I grumbled. It felt a little bit like I had been assigned a babysitter on a job I was more than capable of handling on my own. Still begrudging I hopped off the ATV to follow Eric. Walking over the trampled site was eerie. The sound of that inhuman scream came back to me in my thoughts and I felt the tickle of fear creeping into my body. Ahead Eric was headed down the came path I had traveled the day prior. There's a tree with a tent caught high in the branches. There's about where I found the footprints. I spoke as I moved over to him. I can see it. But the rain has probably washed away any footprints. He answered. Unfortunately, he was right. There was no signs of any path past the tent tree. The storm that blew through during the night had disturbed whatever evidence may have been left and I doubted we could track anything specific now. This is why it surprised me when Eric continued on. He stumbled with his cane through the brush to the river where he stopped to look around. You said you found items scattered about downstream but no signs of exiting footprints? He asked as he awkwardly crouched down to inspect the river's edge. Yeah. If they went into the river, I never found the spot where they exited. I only found some more of those strange prints down that way. I pointed downstream. Did you travel upstream? He asked without looking up from the river. No, I admitted. Perhaps I was imagining a disappointed eye-roll or some other indication of disapproval because he simply stood up and started making his way upstream without saying another word. We traveled for some time, there didn't seem to be any kind of indication that the missing campers had come this way and I was surprised at how nimbly Eric was able to make his way along the uneven surface beside the river. Progress forward stopped when we reached the base of a large waterfall. It seemed unlikely that anyone would try to climb over it so I assumed the campers must have gone downstream after all. That or there really was no way to tell now where they had exited. They left the water here. Eric announced a few meters away from the base of the waterfall. How can you tell? I asked skeptically. Eric paused a moment now, as if he were deciding what exactly he should tell me, it's just a very good guess. It seems logical he shrugged. And I'm just supposed to go with that? I asked flatly. Yes. He answered simply and began to make his way off into the woods. I didn't answer. I followed because I knew I had no choice in the matter. If he was my team leader for the time being it was my responsibility to follow his lead without argument. However, it was now my opinion that he had no idea really of what he was doing. He was probably just some hot shot that had lied on his resume and we would be lost within an hour. So when, after less than 15 minutes, we found a stuffed teddy bear amongst the foliage I felt my pride shrivel up. It seemed Eric did know what he was doing. Have you ever seen a dead body before? Eric asked me calmly as he picked up the bear. No, I admitted, why? It seems, likely that we will come across a body soon. Please do your best to prepare yourself for such an event," he said carefully. Something in the way he said it almost made me feel like he already knew we were going to find someone dead. There was no doubt to his dry voice. I began to imagine what we would find, the child that owned this teddy bear? Their parents? Their siblings? most likely huddled together somewhere they thought was sheltered for the night only for the elements to overcome them how was i going to explain to the families that i could have saved their loved ones if only i had traveled upstream yesterday charles eric speaking interrupted my thoughts and i felt my stomach drop ahead the trees were thinning into a small clearing and i could see bright colored patches in the space i didn't need to be told i could tell they were campers clothing but I didn't want to consider what if there were people still inside the clothes, you can wait here if you would like. Eric told me more softly. I cleared my throat, no, it's dangerous to separate. I told him trying to sound as uncaring as he did. Very well. He answered and stumbled onward. What we found in that clearing was worse than I could have imagined. The clothing that was visible through the trees did indeed contain bodies, but they were not huddled together for warmth. No, they had been dead longer than that. Their bodies were strewn all about the clearing, torn, mangled bodies. They laid with varying expressions of fear and pain. The worst one for me was a little girl. She couldn't have been more than 14 years old. Her torso and legs were separated, her neck stretched and bent at an awful angle. We found one of her arms on the opposite side of the clearing. It was only identifiable because of the size and because it was still in the yellow sleeve of the jacket her torso was wearing. Aside from massive bodily dismemberment and damage, all the bodies were common in another way. They were all missing their eyes and tongues. The smell was surprisingly bearable, I guess they hadn't had too much time to fester, but still I felt nauseous. Take a moment, Go sit over by the edge, away from all this. Eric told me firmly. I wanted to argue, I wanted to prove myself. But the swell of breakfast threatening to make its return from my stomach subdued me. The first time you see a dead body it changes you in profound ways. When your first time is seeming other humans, people with lives, thoughts, feelings and emotions torn apart, decimated in the way these bodies were well the leaves a scar on your very soul. I started to understand Eric more than, he wasn't just an average bad guy, he was someone who had seen this kind of thing often enough that it had worn away his humanity. I'll call this in, I murmured trying to settle my stomach as I watched Eric investigate each body part. No, until we find the animal responsible it's safer if there are fewer people on the mountain, he said calmly. What kind of animal did this? I asked meekly. When he answered this time, he didn't look up from the partially eaten severed leg at his feet. No animal you would be familiar with. It is a pro
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile.
0: With the price of just about
1: everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: product of evil. A demon of sorts. I distance hike when I can. Sometimes this means getting up early, or staying out late, to get as many miles in as possible. Sometimes, walking in the pitch dark with a low light headlamp gets spooky. I grew up in the woods of this area. I've slept under our canopy of stars more nights than I can count. I've trekked thousands of miles of trail, river bank, lake shore, ridge, bottoms, bogs, and creeks. I've hunted the game. I'm establishing this because it's important you understand I've heard, seen, and smelt about all this region has to offer in the way of wilderness. My scariest experience though happened at about 0430 in the morning. It was late spring so the first morning light wouldn't be visible in the treetops for another 30 to 45 minutes, another hour past that until sunrise. I was on mile 5. I'm in a low bottom that's wedged between two steep ridges. The trail I'm on was narrow, muddy, and completely hemmed in by thick underbrush, young maple, and old oak growth. I'm focused on the small light from my headlamp, just one step after the other, zoned out, then I heard a loud crack. And I froze solid. This is the part I have trouble describing. 0430 in springtime means I'm the only thing making noise. No birds chirping, nothing. Dead quiet. Midstep I froze. When fight or flight kicks and you have these immediate instinct thoughts. The thought that instantly flashed in my mind as I stood there balancing myself into silence was: if I hear that again. I'm turning around, and I'm going back the way I came in a hurry. Why? Because that sound was not a branch breaking. It wasn't deadfall. It wasn't a widow maker. I was damn sure I had just heard something intentional. Hearing it twice, well, that meant get out of here. To describe it as best I can, it sounded like a decent sized wooden stick being violently whacked against a smallish tree more a fungo bat-sized stick, than a baseball bat. The distinction in my head being that this sound was a crack, and not a thud or thump. And I have described it as, explosive, in the past because it was so sudden, and so terribly loud. I had the sense that it was about 50 yards directly in front of me, and it was loud, and clear. Now, as I stood there, completely spooked, I realized the soon to be worst part of my situation. I knew where the sound came from. And I knew where the trail went. In about 30 yards, I was going to come to a 180 degree turn and start up the ridge going away from the creek. This meant, as soon as I got the courage to move towards this noise, I was going to have to turn my back to it, and get up that ridge. This made me very nervous. My head somewhere between meth fiend murder, and Bigfoot bludgeoning. Minutes pass. I just breathe my foggy breath into my glasses, and listen. Nothing. Dead quiet. I've got about 20-30 to minutes until first light. I crank up the headlamp, and start to slowly creep to the 180 turn. When you wear a headlamp in the woods at night, every tree branch in front of you casts a big black moving shadow on the trail. It didn't help. I get to the turn, and quickly make the bend. I'm moving pretty fast at this point. Trying to be quiet. Taking tiny, shallow breaths so I can listen while humping it up the trail. And then I smell it. A stench hits me that I can't describe. I just imagine wet, rotten, death. I've actually worked scenes where humans have expired in a past life as a firefighter. This was like days old decomposition but it just smelled, strange. I kept walking fast. By the time I made the top of that ridge, I was huffing, and the first light was showing. I didn't stop moving until full light was out, and the birds were chirping. I've heard it all in our woods. I've smelled it all. I'm telling you, I don't know what the hell that was. Deadfall, and especially leafed out branches, make a lot of noise on the way down. I've heard it many times i don't know my husband and i heard the same thing this past september at about 4 pm we were in our house and he was watching tv we live in the middle of nowhere we heard three explosive cracks over the television before we got up and went outside we heard one more that was just beyond the beginning of a pine forest right behind our house that sounded like a tree exploded whatever it was didn't want us to come closer i think it was hunting in a group our four yappy terriers were quiet except for the first crack which caused the youngest sitting at my husband's feet to yelp in surprise they refused to go outside with us they never do that and they literally bark at squirrel farts When i've heard people talk of wood knocks in the past i thought it was like the bs on tv and we'd only heard them in the distance before on those occasions all this summer i thought it was some farm kid messing around but this was only 300 feet behind our house down range from my husband's gun range the most horrifying thing was how loud and aggressive it sounded I don't think a human could pulverize a tree like that and all our neighbors know we shoot there so they aren't going to mess around. This will sound crazy, but we haven't investigated the forest yet. I want to make sure whatever it was has moved on before I go into those dense pines. We still walk all around our farm but not there right behind our house. I don't like knowing this but I just wanted to say I believe you. I was terrified at 4 p.m. in my backyard I can't imagine your terror at 4 a.m. in the deep woods. I think we all received a warning. By the way, my husband has smelled that horrible smell a couple times this year in different parts of our farm. We've spent decades living on the edge of civilization and we don't know what this is and I'm beginning to realize we don't have it all figured out. When I was around 17 years old I had a dog that was part Alaskan Husky and part German Shepherd. I lived in a rural section of the Appalachian Mountains at the time and would go hiking pretty often. My dog, I'll call him Bugs because that was his name, would always go with me. As you can imagine, Bugs was a pretty good sized dog given the two breeds he was mixed from. He didn't scare too easily and was very protective. We were on one of our usual hikes. We'd go up the hill behind my parents' house to an old coal mining road. There were a couple cold water springs near the road and once we got within a hundred feet or so of them bugs would run ahead to get him a drink and cool off a bit. So he took off, and because of the trees and brush of the forest I couldn't see him. I knew where he'd be. I stopped at that time to get a drink from my water bottle and rest a couple seconds. Not long after I start moving again I hear bugs running back down the hill. I figure he's just coming to see where I'm at. Instead he is running full force at me with a bit of a panicked look on his face. He stops, looks at me, says woof and takes off running full force down the hill again. I think that was odd, but continue on my hike. Hoping to see what may have spooked him. There wasn't much wildlife to be feared at the time. Just some squirrels, chipmunks, white-tailed deer, opposums, skunks, birds, and the usual critters. The scariest thing might be a bobcat, but those are rarely sighted. I finish my hike not seeing anything scary. I get home and Bugs is just hanging out in the yard waiting for me. He didn't go on the next couple of hikes with me, but he did eventually rejoin me on the trips. I still don't know what spooked him. It was a strange experience, but not particularly scary, for me anyway. If Bugs were still alive he may tell a different story. In case you're curious, Bugs died at the old age of 18. He was definitely a good boy. Me and a group of friends were camping in a clearing just outside a large woods, we got there around noon and fished and hiked until sunset everything was normal we made a fire and were cooking our fish and telling stories and once it got so dark you couldn't see past the light of the fire things got a bit scarier we heard the very loud yelp we thought it sounded like a wolf so we decided to throw whatever fish we had left back into the creek to try to get the wolf to leave we still on high alert but we sat back down and continued our stories a bit later we hear the yelp again followed by a loud screeching noise I've never heard anything like it before. After that we put more wood on the fire and went back to our tents, we hoped the light would keep whatever was in that woods away. In the morning we started to pack up and noticed some of the fish that we threw in the creek was laying next to our fire, I have no idea what did that, but we decided it was best if we didn't come back to that spot anymore. My best friend used to have a job as a research assistant on an owl census project in New Mexico. This basically involved systematically hiking through remote forests for two weeks at a time, and charting where owls were sighted, slash, owl sounds were heard, slash, pellets were found. Then you'd get two weeks off, then two weeks on, etc. The job required that two research assistants hike together for safety. Unfortunately, The guy she was paired with was slow and out of shape, so he generally trailed some distance behind her. One week into a hike, she started to develop the feeling that she was being watched. She stopped in the middle of a clearing to wait for the other guy to catch up. Thankfully, he wasn't too far behind and realized there was a mountain lion in the trees, watching her. They both put their arms up and screamed at it until it went away. She said the most terrifying part of the whole experience was knowing that it had been following her for an entire week or longer, and was just waiting for her to be far enough away from her companion to attack. A couple years ago while hunting I went out before first light and climbed into my deer stand like I've done countless times. Right at about 5 a.m. My favorite part of the day is when the light starts to break into the sky and the forest wakes up. The nocturnal creatures retreat and the day creatures stir and become active. That morning, as the light started to appear, nothing happened. And I mean nothing. No rabbits or raccoons retreating to a den, no squirrels searching for breakfast, no deer, no hogs, not even a single bird. The weather slash temperature was unremarkable and the air was mostly still. There was just no movement and no sound throughout the woods that morning. Not a chirp nor a rustle. As time passed I started to get an unexplainable sense of dread. Not a this is weird feeling of observing something strange but more of a death is imminent feeling that I've never experienced before. I stayed until about 8 AM, still early for deer hunting. Until I was literally trembling with fear and I stormed out of there. I went back that afternoon and I found the woods to be completely normal with all the usual sights and sounds. Weirdest and most uncomfortable experience in the woods that I've ever had. Almost like a dream but I absolutely was not dreaming. I have not been scared in the woods since I was a boy going out the first few times with my dad. He would joke, we're hunting. We have nothing to fear the forest is afraid of us not that morning dad i was scared shitless and i don't know why i was 45 years old at the time (coughs) first was the year i met my wife 10 years ago we were 17 and i was a hunting nut decided to go camping in the sand dunes behind my suburb just off the beach we live in rural west house so nothing happens. Anyway, pretty local area, lots of people around, we decided to just hang around the beach, go walking and settle down for the night. A few hours passed and we had a small campfire going, jumped into our shared sleeping bag and went to sleep. Woke up to thudding all around us and a huge grok 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 noise. Okay, it freaked us out because I was half asleep. It was an emu that basically stood on us and honestly the big fella was as shocked as we were and he took off. So we settled to sleep and hear it. People everywhere. They walked past us, we didn't see them though. They weren't talking, we could just hear them walking. They broke into a run and started laughing. We heard them run over the dune to the seaside, and then the chanting started. People weren't taking the piss, they were chasing someone and loving it. There were a group of people running up and down the trails around us, with a group chanting. At that stage we noped out. Called my partner's parents and they came with their rottweiler and gun to pick us up. We walked back to the parking lot that lead to the trails with our fog snarling at everything. We could hear people running out of the darkness behind us laughing at us, some of them even taunted us to come back to the dunes never figured out what it was about but it wasn't the local aboriginal people my wife's extended family and it wasn't the local meth heads but it was over 50 people at around 3am the second tale we were homeless for a while at around 20. we rescued mastiffs and i had an opportunity to train in melbourne and represent a gym for mma We drove across the Nullarbor with our three dogs and my wife's mother. Halfway across we got tired and saw a dilapidated roadside stop. It was just some younger woman's house with a shop attached. We pulled up and talked to the female owner and an older bloke. They looked at us and asked if we were tired. I said yeah and they asked us if we wanted to park around back. Sure, stop for a rest cause these folks seemed nice. Drove around the back to a car park equivalent of car bodies. Okay sure, that's odd already, because you know. The nearest town is a day's drive. Anyway, one of our dogs was unwell and needed a strict diet and to poop regularly. I get her out of the car and the other dogs jump out too. The Rottweiler takes off to explore. The dogs poop and I call our big girl back. No response. That's pretty normal she was ignorant sometimes. I go to look for her and she is sniffing a sleeping bag. Okay fine, the place is a wreck with crap everywhere. I didn't give it a second thought. Then I looked up and saw a massive tarp wrapped up around something and it is strung up between a few trees. Completely suspended. And behind it a few sleeping bags suspended between some trees. About ten in all including the big one. Then I noticed the absolute swarm of flies. Got the dogs back in the car and left. Saw the woman and old bloke on the way out. Waved at them and acted natural. Nothing. No smile or wave, all former charm was gone. We dodged some Ivan Milat level stuff because my dog was picky about where she pooped. Never reported this because we honestly have no idea where on the Nullarbor it was. We just kept heading east on the biggest road we could. I am sure as day we were going to be killed by some hillbilly men. I was camping with my church youth group when I was about 12 to 13, I'm 23 now. At night we would split up into three or four and tent together. First night there, I could not sleep. My tent mates were heavy asleep. But for some unexplainable reason, I had a really uneasy feeling that kept me awake. I passed most of my time just laying and looking through our mesh window in the tent. There was only one window that faced the gravel road and about 15 yards down the road was the camp's restroom. Next to the restroom, was one single street light. This is all I could see through our window. Nothing but woods around the tent other than that. early. Around 1 or 2 AM, a dull, hovering light caught my attention. At first I thought it was a headlamp because that seemed around the same height that I was seeing this light. The light slowly moved from the restroom area to directly underneath the streetlight. That's when I realized that no human was holding the light. The orb of light continued to slowly move, and I followed it with my eyes until it reached the tree line and disappeared behind the trees. I believed no one else had seen it until I told my younger brother the next morning, also happened to be on that trip. He said that he was awake all night and had seen the exact same thing. Went for a drive in the woods in southeast Alaska a few decades ago. It was my best friend driving, my fiancé riding center seat, and me in the passenger seat of a single cab pickup. We stopped at a gas station to get snacks before heading out. It was late in the evening so it was already dark out by the time we stopped to eat some of our snacks. The night was cool as it was late fall. So here we are chatting in the truck and eating our food parked off of this long winding dirt road to nowhere. My buddy starts taking about local legends and lore including the Kushtika. I was fairly ignorant to the idea and myth and thought it was all BS. I thought it would be funny to harass him a bit about it and push the limits of testing this kushtaka nonsense. He was dead serious when he told me to stop. But I continued. Then I heard what sounded exactly like fingernails tapping on my window next to my head. I looked over and seen nothing but assumed I was hearing things. I couldn't see anything because the cab light was on it was pitch black out. A few moments pass and I hear it again. This time both my finance and friend heard it. My friend sorta nervously smiled and laughed. Then I realized I had to pee. So I jokingly tell them if I get snatched up by this kushtika you best come after me. I opened the door and pee by the front passenger tire. But the area felt very weird and uncomfortable. I mentioned that as I got back in. There we talked a bit more and I realized we had pulled off unknowingly, At the time we stopped, near a very old small cemetery that contained frog-type headstones of the Tlingit and Haida culture in an area amongst large southeast evergreen trees. I still not being a believer and love flipping stuff to my friend then started yeah well if this Kushtika BS is real why don't they make themselves known? Come on. Come on already. No sooner had I said that than something punched or hit the front fender twice. My buddy turned ghost white and in one motion started the truck up and threw it in drive and we were gone. We got off the dirt road and back onto asphalt really quickly and stopped under a street light. We got out and looked. Sure enough, you could clearly see where something had hit, up high, the front right fender when we were parked. Two distinct marks of dirt missing. To this day, I still don't know what it was. But with every other paranormal experience I've had since that time, there's no doubt in my mind that something was trying to tell me to stop pushing it or something bad would happen. Never again did I talk bad about the Kushtika being BS. And I'll never go into the woods of Southeast.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
0: One time on a hunting trip we were in a tree stand when across the clearing we see someone standing just in the middle of the field we grabbed a scope to see what they were doing my buddy looked at me and said it was a kid we were in shock that a kid would be out in the middle of the Montana woods in winter so we climbed down and started heading towards him. Well as soon as we got about 100 yards away the kid giggled and took off running the other way I yelled and started sprinting towards my butt right behind me but no matter how fast we ran we couldn't catch him when we started getting into thick bush we lost track of him and couldn't find a trace of him all we kept hearing was his childlike giggle. That's when my buddy just turned and said we should go something ain't right. We got back to the tree stand and never saw him again. We stopped off in Prey and asked some people if any kids were missing cause we saw a little boy in the woods but he ran from us, they said no one was missing from there. It was the closet town to us so who knows. I was working out in the scrub over the summer on a bio job. One night, I woke up around midnight and noticed it was super bright out and there was ambient light coming in through my tent which, generally doesn't happen at night. So I unzipped my little one-man tent and sat up out of it. The entire area was glowing green in the moonlight. Just like someone had put a green tinted filter over the moon and cranked the brightness up. I went back to bed because that was creepy and I wasn't trying to get sucked into fairy or some stuff. I've never seen lighting like that before. I've been out on plenty of clear nights with bright moonlight and stuff wasn't glowing green and shining so bright I could see it through my tent as if it was pre-dawn light. I had plenty of other weird experiences, but not any that made the moon brighter and changed the color of light. I was up at Montezuma's castle, Montezuma's well, and Tuzigood in Arizona for an internship with the NPS. Most of the job was trail maintenance and destroying of invasive plants. So lots of time outside, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Many a time when I'd be out of here, what sounded like hoof beats of horses, but never saw any, the hoof beats would get really close within a few feet. And there were times I could feel the vibration. One day I was out with one of the Rangers and I started hearing it. I asked him if he heard it and he said he did and that it happened a lot. I started to ask questions when he held up his hand and told me to just accept that it was happening and to not ask questions. He seemed frightened of the sound too. I've heard it at home too in Phoenix. At my apartment complex there is a nice greenbelt area and one morning I was on the early shift for work, it's pitch black outside. I was walking to my car when I heard the hoof beats. It sounded like a horse charging at me. I whipped around expecting a giant dog that was running across the greenbelt but there was nothing. The hoofbeats continued until they got to where I was and just stopped. I have never found anything on the internet about it, much to my dismay. I don't know that I would really call it paranormal. But I definitely can't find an explanation. The only two things I can think of is one. The ground moving and it causes the hoofbeat sounds. Two gas escaping from underground. I'll probably never know. Background about where my deer stand is. To my back is woods, then field, to my front is a field that turns into a hill that I chose to kind of act as a berm in case I miss, to the left is more woods, right is more field. This area is my family's farm and has been for a long time. Before that it was not really a forest, but slight wooded, the trees were planted by settlers, before that it was a clear area. I'm not a superstitious person, but it says can't explain and I can't. I was sitting in my stand on a Saturday morning. I will never forget this, it was raining barely, sun just above the horizon. Suddenly I felt like I was being watched, I've never felt like that with deer. I looked into the woods and there were wolves on the edge of the woods, neat. Those men just stood there and watched me, you better bet I stared back. I know they take that as a challenge, but I'm in a tree, bring it. The wolves they just stood there, staring, watching. They stood there for three hours. I just started ignoring them, they scared away the deer anyways. All of the sudden they leave, double time and some big black thing appears from the woods size of a black bear skinny like a dog head like a bat it stood where the wolves were i pointed my gun at it and shot into the ground on purpose i don't want to be the guy who killed the last of whatever species it looked at me i chambered a new round it ran i have no idea what it was but i asked my dad and uncles and they said they saw it too